In this video, you are going to see Jesus in the book of Jesus. What are you talking about, you might be saying? Well, the name Jesus is the name Joshua. Jesus is just the Greek for the English word Joshua. So we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua today and how to see the Messiah, Jesus, in the book of Joshua. After all, the name is the name of the book is Jesus. <laughs> hey, my name is George Crowd. Welcome to my channel. Uh, this channel is all about how to see Jesus throughout the Old Testament. Um, if you're Jewish, it would be in your Tanakh, uh, which are the books of Moses, the first five books, the Torah, and then the prophets, and then the writings like the Psalms and so forth. So today, we're going to be looking at the book of Yeshua. If you're Hebrew, it would be Yeshua, right? And that's how it would have been pronounced, Yeshua, in, in Joshua's time. So this is so good. And you're going to love this because you're going to get great value out of finding uh, who the Messiah is in your scriptures. And if you're a Christian, you're also going to find great value in this because a lot of Christians just ignore the Old Testament, which is a great mistake in my opinion, because you're missing out on all of the good stuff that the, the hidden gems that show who the Messiah is, who Jesus is before Jesus was born from the Virgin Mary, by the Virgin Mary, and, and by God the Holy Spirit in Bethlehem in 0 AD. So way back, 2000 uh, BC, before Christ, or even 2300 BC, or even back in the very beginning, you can see Jesus in all of it. You can look at the playlist uh, down below, go ahead and click on the playlist on Road to Emmaus, and you will see from the very beginning, from the very book, book of beginnings, Genesis, you will see that Jesus is throughout the whole Thing. And I promise me, promise you right now that your heart will burn within you like a burning, like a uh, the love of God burning in your heart when you do discover that. Just like those two men on the road to Emmaus, their hearts burned within them in a good way. <laughs> All right, you guys. So let's uh, let's go ahead and look at a timeline. We like to do that first. So down below, right in here, you can see this is a, a complete timeline. And over here, you see creation. This is the beginning in the beginning God, or Elohim, which is plural. Um, and then you can see further down, there was the flood. There was Abraham. There's Isaac. There's Jacob or Yaakov. Then Yosef. Remember the J in Hebrew, we, you pronounce as a Y. So if, you're, if you speak English mostly, um, it's not Jacob, but it's Yaakov. It's not Joseph, but it's Yosef. Um, and then Jesus, of course, would be Yeshua. So further down, we see Moses right around 1400 BC, which means before Christ. And then we see Joshua. Joshua was Moses' assistant. He was a courageous man, a man of valor, a man who trusted the Lord and believed the Lord would provide for them and, and protect them and help them conquer the promised land, this, this land of Israel that God promised to the Hebrews, to the Jewish people. And uh, that promise stands today, my friend, as well. Okay, so then we see Joshua, then further at 1000 BC, we see David, then we see Elijah, Isaiah, we see Daniel the prophet, Zechariah, and there's more. And then it takes you all the way to right there at 0 AD. Okay, 0 AD where Jesus, Jesus was born. And AD means Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. 
And it was the day that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as the scriptures say, that out of Bethlehem, he will be born. So then we see further along at 32 AD, Jesus was crucified. Remember, it's 32 because you don't count the zero. He was born 0 AD, 32 AD. We know that Jesus died on Passover. And uh, then further along, we see Paul. And then we see the destruction of the temple, the horrible day that happened that Jesus wept over. It wasn't making him happy. He knew the future and he knew the temple was going to be destroyed. And many Jewish people, his brethren, and his kindred, his people would die, and it made him very sad. So that happened in 70 AD, uh, by the, led by the evil Roman Titus. And then further along, uh, in, we see that 95 AD, under the rule of Domitian, Emperor Domitian, John has a vision in Revelation. And we're going to be covering some of those scriptures in this episode. But John has a—this is the last book of the Bible. After that, the Bible is sealed. And John, the apostle who walked with Jesus, who actually went to the cross, he was the only one of the twelve who actually went to the foot of the cross. He was there with Jesus' mother Mary. And uh, he has a vision at around 95 AD on the island of Patmos, and it was the book of Revelation, this prophetic book that is about the future. It's about something that is coming, my friends. Some of it, the beginning, is about the church age, which we're in right now, but the rest of it has not been fulfilled yet. Some people think it has, but there's a lot of problems with that because, like one, for instance, uh, it says in Revelation that everything in the sea dies, like the whole sea turns red and everything and it dies. When did that happen? Around 70 AD. No, that that did not happen. Okay, so that's that. And then there's the church age after that. You can see um, right over here, well, we got my arrows, my fingers going wrong way here. So so the church age, and then we see after the later on, uh, during the church age, like during right now, we saw in 1948, Israel became a nation again. And then in 1967, they regained Jerusalem. They still haven't regained the Temple Mount, uh, but that day will come, my friend, someday. All right, so that's a quick uh, timeline presentation. All right, let's get into the book of Jesus, or Yeshua, or Joshua. Okay, so uh, before we get into the book of Joshua, we're going to look at numbers a little bit. So we'll go back into the Torah a little bit here. So which just means the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. And here we see the scripture that the Lord, uh, this is near the end of Moses' life. They're about to go into the promise. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This is the beginning of their journey through the wilderness, which was the desert. They crossed the Red Sea, and now God wants them to, uh, they went to Mount Horeb already. Uh, Moses got the Ten Commandments. And now God wants them to go into the promised land that he promised them and that he would protect them and all that. And then here's what's going on. Moses is about to send some men out to spy out the land. So Numbers 13, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man. Everyone a chief among them. So like a leader of, of each tribe, right? All right, that's what we see here. So then, verse 25, at the end of the 40 days, so I'm going to skip ahead here. At the end of this, this period where they, the, these 12 men from each tribe went out and spied out the promised land. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. 
And they brought back word to them and to all of the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. The fruit of the land, you guys. So <laughs> here's one of those pictures. Some of them are really crazy. There's like these giant grapes like this big, right? But anyway, there was a lot of fruit. The Bible does. There's a spot in the Bible where it does talk about this, these, the, the immense uh, size of the grapes and the fruit. And they brought back pomegranates and different fruit. And, uh, and it brought promise to them, like, hey, this is the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, this productive, uh, rich, fertile land that God has provided for us. And that's a great picture of it actually right there. So, um, however, okay, so they're in the camp, they're showing them the fruit, there's, there's, there, it's a great, beautiful land. But then they said, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are are fortified and very large and besides we saw the descendants of Anak there which were the giants right so there's giants in the land these guys are saying some of these spies coming back and they're making the people scared but Caleb okay Caleb of the tribe of Judah by the way so there's a picture there remember the messiah comes through the tribe of Judah So Caleb of the tribe of Judah quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. This guy's got courage, right? I love this. He has what we called, when I was in the Rangers, uh, the Army Rangers, 3rd Ranger Battalion, we called intestinal fortitude. Caleb had intestinal fortitude, which means he's he's like, let's go for it, man. God's on our side. We can do it, man. You know, he was saying, let's do it. So, and that's the attitude that God wants us to have too. He wants us to have courage and trust in him. Okay, so then Numbers 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua was of the tribe of Joseph or Yosef, who was also, in my opinion, had a prophecy from Jacob before he died of a a Messiah type of prophecy. Joseph did. And here we see Joseph, Joshua, excuse me, (laughs) Yeshua, Joshua of the tribe of Yosef or Joseph or the house of Joseph because he was of the tribe of Ephraim, which was one of the sons. Okay, so... And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the, the land, tore their clothes. So they're angry about what the people were doing and these other spies giving a bad report, a por- report of fear. And they tore their clothes and they said to the people, the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. Oy vey, you guys, let's take it. And then verse 8, if the Lord delights in us, he continues, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they they are bread for us. In other words, we'll just eat them up, man. We can do this. They're nothing but bread for us. And their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them, Joshua said. I love Joshua. This guy's a warrior, man. He is not afraid, and he knows the Lord is on their side. Verse 10, Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. 
But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all of the people. So now they want to stone Joshua and Caleb here. The people do. So basically, we see that Yeshua or Joshua or Jesus in the Greek, he was rejected here. He's rejected the first time, the first time that they could have went in and, and received the promised land, this, this glorious land. He was rejected. Jesus was rejected too the first time, right? So we're seeing pictures here of the true Yeshua. And I love the name Yeshua, by the way, or jo- jo- uh, Jesus or Joshua, because it means Yahweh, the Lord. Yahweh is salvation. Isn't that awesome? Wow. That name alone shows Jesus. So now, take a look at this. Now, we want to go into the New Testament. And here we see Yeshua again, but the real Yeshua, <laughs> Jesus, the Messiah. And here it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on Sabbath day, and he stood to read. He stood up to read. This was the custom. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll. And he gave it back to the attendant. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Whoa. (laughs) This took some guts. Jesus, Yeshua, the true Yeshua, Joshua, says today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Whoa. He is claiming to be the Messiah. Watch this. Then they heard these things all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the bow, the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. So somehow he just passed through their midst because it wasn't his time yet to die. Jesus can just do that, walk right through their midst. Amazing. So here's a modern picture of Nazareth. You can see it's a very hilly city right here. And they were at the brow of a hill. So so there must have been, I know I've seen other pictures of it, but there's cliffs in this area too. So they must have been a spot where they pushed people off that were going to be stoned. And they were probably going to stone them too, a lot of scholars believe. So Jesus was reading out of Isaiah 61, right? Isaiah 61. 
This is what he was reading. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. That's another name for Messiah, the anointed one. To bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, comma, comma. What is that comma doing there? That's where he stopped. Jesus stopped at the comma. Okay, what does the rest of it say in Isaiah 61 in the Tanakh? And the day of vengeance of our Lord, our God. The day of vengeance? God has a day of of vengeance? I thought he was Jesus meek and mild and here humbly. Yes, the first time he was, my friend, he he came as the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, right? The perfect Lamb of God, the, the, the Lamb without blemish. Remember Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Yes, there was no fault in him, exactly. He was the perfect Lamb, the approved Lamb to take away the sins of the world. And that, my friend, will end someday. And then the day of vengeance is coming, the vengeance of our God, God's wrath. And he will come then as the Lion of the tribe of Judah like Joshua did in the story of Joshua, as Joshua comes as a great warrior to fight and to take the land that rightfully belongs to him. And that's what we see here in Isaiah 61. And that has not been fulfilled yet, my friends. But it will be by Yeshua. (laughs) Here it is again, Isaiah 61, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, comma, That's where Jesus stopped and rolled up the scroll and said, Today, in your hearing, these scriptures are fulfilled, right? These scriptures. But then it says, And the day of vengeance of our God. Wow. Amazing, right? Oh, it's so good. And then Isaiah 61 continues, and it's a great promise to you guys who live in Israel. These are your scriptures. Everything in the Bible comes true. Everything that God says will happen comes true. Like these prophecies of Jesus, like Isaiah 53, uh, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, you know, a, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Um, Isaiah 53 is a picture of the cross. Psalm 22, a clear picture of the cross. It was like David was looking through the eyes of Jesus. These could only happen. God could only write this stuff down, okay? And it and it's fulfilled 100% perfect. That's what happened. So we know the rest of it will be fulfilled 100% and perfect. It will be fully fulfilled. And that's what gives me great hope. That's why I like to look at prophecy. Some people don't like prophecy, like, oh, just we should just be reading the, the New Testament and the letters from Paul, which are all great, but you need a balanced meal. You need to eat all of the food groups uh, you know, including the meats and the potatoes and the vegetables, you need to eat it all to have a balanced meal as you take in the scriptures. The scriptures are um, a lot of times in the Bible pictured as food. It's like the word of God. You eat it and you chew on it and you dwell on it. You meditate on the word of God. Well, you also want to look at prophecy because it gives you great hope. You know, this stuff is going to come to pass, that revelation will come to pass, that, that Jesus does win, the bad guys lose, and the good guys win. And that's the book of Revelation in a nutshell, you guys. So here it is, uh, Isaiah 61 continues. And by the way, if you haven't subscribed yet, 
uh, hit that subscribe button down below because you'll get all the the latest videos. I do one a week. You're gonna you're not gonna miss out on anything. And I do also do bonus videos on today's events and sometimes prophecy and things like that. So and just other like topical issues, how to do deal with certain sins, things like that, or depression. So yeah, hit that subscribe button. You won't miss any of the videos. Hit the little bell. You'll get all the reminders, and uh, that'll help grow this channel. All right, so here we go. So Isaiah 61 continues, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, for and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth as a brightness, as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. So Jerusalem will be called by a new name. Isn't that awesome? Oh, so good. All right, so Ezekiel 37 also ties into this story of Joshua and actually Caleb, too, is involved in this as well, of the tribe of Judah, Joshua of the tribe of Joseph. So check this out. Ezekiel 37 says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and for the people of Israel associated with him, and then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim. That was the tribe Joshua came from, right? In particular, Ephraim. Because Joseph had two sons. He had Manasseh and Ephraim. So um, that's why they sometimes they call Joseph's tribe the house of Joseph, which being the tribe of Ephraim and the tribe of Manasseh. So it's okay if, it, if you want to say the tribe of Joseph or the house of Joseph, that's fine. And remember, Joseph was a huge type of Christ, a picture of the Messiah. And you can look at my other videos on that and you will see it, my friend. It's very powerful. Okay, so take a stick and write on it for Judah and then another stick write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim and all the house of Israel associated with him. And join them one to another into one stick that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, will you not tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm about to take the stick of Joseph that is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel associated with him. And I will join with it the stick of Judah and make them one stick that they may be one in my hand. One stick in my hand. In other words, a unified Israel. No longer the the, the northern area of Israel or, or the Joseph and then the southern area of Judah, but no, one, one Israel. And that's what we see today, my friends. We're seeing one united Israel. And also he takes a stick and another stick, and this speaks of the cross as well, you guys. It speaks of the cross, uh, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Joseph. It's so powerful, you guys. Ugh. So, Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, right? This now speaks of the second coming. This time, two spies. So, so they were in the wilderness. We just read in Numbers where the people were scared because of the bad report that the 10, 10 of the spies gave a bad report. Remember, Joseph had 10 brothers who were living in great sin the first time. Then they they cast Joseph away. They rejected him. They conspired to murder him, sold him for silver. Remember, Joseph was pushed away. He went uh, to a Gentile, a Gentile bride for a long time in Egypt. And he was there with, with Egypt, and he saves the world during this great time of trouble, and his brothers come back to him, right? And that's when 
Joseph saves them when they come back to him in this great time of trouble. So this time, the same thing. The spies, the first time they rejected, uh, they they uh, rejected the promise of God that they could have took the land. They rejected his promise. They were, they were rejecting Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus's report. And they even wanted to stone him. Remember, they wanted to stone him in Luke. They wanted to throw him. And Jesus went to his hometown in Nazareth. They wanted to, to stone him as well or reject him and throw him off the cliff, right? Well, that's what we're seeing here. So then they had to go in the wilderness for 40 days. They had to wander all around the wilderness. And God wanted that generation to die off. Um, and then the next generation, the young generation, the next one to come up, and they got to see the promised land. They got to go into the promised land because they, and by the way, Joshua leads them in. Joshua and Caleb both, they lead them into the promised land the second time, not the first. Does that not speak of Jesus' first coming and his second coming, right? Oh my goodness, it's so good. So this time, Joshua, he's in charge. Moses is uh, told by God uh, that Joshua would take over and be the leader. So Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus is in charge on the second coming. And this time he sends out two spies. So two spies are sent into the promised land by Jesus. (laughs) I love this play on words right now. It's fun. Okay. Revelation chapter 11, verse 3 says this. This hasn't happened yet. This is something that's going to happen in the future. Watch this. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, that's three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. And it also says in the scripture, in Jerusalem. So these two witnesses, we don't know who they are. Some uh, scholars and Bible teachers say that they believe it's Elijah and Moses, Moses and Elijah, because of the plagues that they can do, the different things like they can turn the water to blood, they can shut up the uh, the rain from coming, all these different things. So they could, could not be, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say who they are, it doesn't really, we don't need to know who they are until it actually happens, but there's going to be two witnesses, just like there was two spies in, in, in Joshua, Yeshua's story in the Old Testament, right, where they're going to take the promised land. So here they are, clothed in sackcloth, three and a half years. They're prophesying. And then verse 4 says, And these are the two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Wow. Mm. So here we see a picture of Rahab. Rahab was a... um, She was a prostitute who lived in the city of Jericho, right? Well... She uh, ends up saving those two spies, right? She saves the two spies, and God shows great mercy toward her and grace, and she ends up being saved, her and her household. They put a, a scarlet cord down, which, by the way, there's an episode on that as well with Psalm 22. It was the tola shani, the word is shani here, but the scarlet, which they they dyed this crimson red color with this little bug that shows it's actually a worm or a grub, but it's the worm of Psalm 22, verse 6, I'm a worm and no man. Well, the dye used for this scarlet color was this little grub that climbs up a tree and sticks itself to the tree and dies and gives birth to its offspring. And then three days later, turns as white as snow. It's just amazing. You can check out that episode on Psalm 22. It's, it's an amazing thing. So here's a picture of it. This is the wall of Jericho. These are the two spies that Joshua sent out. Now let's go back to the scripture 
Okay, let's look at um, let's look at Joshua on this. So, Joshua chapter one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead now. So it was actually, um, so Joshua was the servant of the Lord here. And he says, now therefore go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that this, the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. And from the wilderness, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Did you know that we never, not we, but Israel had never really taken all of the land, even during Solomon's reign, which was the the greatest time of Israel's history as far as land occupation. They did not go all the way to the Euphrates River. They didn't have all of the land at once. This is something that is future, something that will be fulfilled in the future. So here God's telling him to take the land. He said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Remember Jesus said that? I will not leave you or forsake you. So we have those promises too right now. That was going through my mind today. I went for a, about a six-mile walk today, and uh, I did a lot of praying and just talking with God, and it, it just kept going through my mind. I will not leave you or forsake you as I was praying. So, hey, things are getting kind of crazy in this world, but the Lord will not leave us, and he will not forsake us. Okay? So keep that. That's a promise from God. Okay. So only be strong and very courageous. I love that. Show some intestinal fortitude, as we said in the Rangers. Being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn uh, from it to the right or to the left, and you may, uh, that you may have good success wherever you go. All right, so here God's telling Joshua um, uh, that he's going to be with them. And then later he's, he says, uh, send two witnesses. He sends the two. And then he starts talking to Joshua about passing through the midst of the camp uh, and prepare your provisions with three days. Uh, you will pass over the Jordan River to go in and possess the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. So they're getting ready for war, basically. And um, there's a certain order that God wanted them to march uh, into the Jordan River. He wanted them to carry the ark, the priestlyhood tribe, to carry the ark. And as soon as their, their feet hit the water, the Jordan split open just like the Red Sea. There was a wall of water on one side possibly, but it was dry. So they, the children of Israel got to walk through on dry land again. It's pretty amazing stuff. So... Chapters uh, uh, 3 through 4 on this, chapters 3 through 4, uh, basically are, are, you know, going in, uh, crossing the Jordan River. So 1, 3, and 4, basically that. So let's, um, let's look at the next chapter. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men. This is where he sends the spies in right here. Secretly from Shittim as the spies... Uh, as spies saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and they lodged with her. By the way, did you know that Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus? 
So in the book of Jesus, Rahab is, she's in the lineage later on of the of Jesus in his line, you guys, because she becomes part of the children of Israel, part of Israel. And, and it's recorded in Matthew, you could read it, where she's actually in the lineage. So good. Okay, so Joshua 2.2, and it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, for uh, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. And he probably said it in a real scared way, like, oh, Bring those, 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 those men out. You know, he was scared of these guys. He was scared. They've heard the stories about what God was doing with the children of Israel, how they re- defeated all these enemies out into the, the desert areas, and uh, how they crossed the Red Sea. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she hid these spies. She protected them, these two witnesses, so to speak. She took care of them. And later on, she was protected because of that. So then we go to chapter 4. I'm going to skip it through. This This is a big book. You guys can't read it all right now. So, so chapter 4, we see, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he sent uh, out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over it. And at the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and the and uh, commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you. So there's a lot of detail about the distances and things like that. And uh, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and, and pass on before the people. So they're getting ready to cross the Jordan and go into the Promised Land. This is awesome, you guys. And as for you, command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant. And, um, and when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And that's what happened in the waters. The water split open again <laughs> miraculously. This is powerful because it was actually, the Bible says it was even during the strong flow time of the Jordan when it split open for them. And then they, in, uh, let's see, are we in chapter three? Then in chapter four, we see that um, uh, when the nation of Israel had f- finished passing over the Jordan, The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, each tribe a man, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So into the promised land, they take these stones, one for each of the tribes, and they set them up, and they set them up as a monument for what God did this day. Did you know during the millennial reign of Christ, the Messiah, the other, the, the true Yeshua, when he reigns from Jerusalem, it says in the Bible in Ezekiel, it talks about a new temple being built. And this temple will be built with the 12 precious stones. The one that Jesus is going to build is going to be absolutely beautiful, you guys. And it's a memorial. A lot of people say, like, why is there going to be a temple again and sacrifices? Ezekiel makes no sense to me. Well, it makes sense to me because it's a memorial. It's to remember what Jesus did. Remember that 
all of that stuff, the sacrifices, the Levitical uh, priesthood, the high priest garments, the high priest himself, the tabernacle, the, the temple itself, all of it was a memorial. It all speaks of Jesus. It was always a shadow of Jesus, and it will be in the the millennial reign of Christ, it will be a memorial, like a museum to him, to honor him, you guys. Just like the White House or the capital of the U.S., we have museums all throughout with with uh, old artifacts and things from the from our nation. All nations have this, right? It's a memorial to remember. So it's so good. It's it's foundational. So it's uh, that's what they did. They built that stone monument, and Joshua said to the men, "Pass on before the ark of the Lord, uh, your God, uh, in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon its shoulder." according to the number of the tribes of the people. And that's what they did there in chapter 4. They built this memorial of stones. And then in chapter 5, let's skip down to chapter 5. We see in chapter 5 that they get circumcised, okay? And circumcision was always a thing to illustrate what God was doing to our heart. He was getting rid of the calloused, uh, thick skin, heart of stone, basically. And he wanted to give these people a tender heart. And that was what circumcision was really all about, as the New Testament tells us in the book of Romans, right? So so that's what happens here in chapter 5. Make the flint knives and circumcise the son of Israel a second time. So, so Joshua made flint knives and and circumcised the son of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why the circumcision of them, all the males of the people who, were out, who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness in the, in the way after they had come out of Egypt. And though all the people who came out of the out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born in the way of the wilderness, so out in the desert, this is the new generation that was born, and after they had come out of Egypt, had not been circumcised, so now they're being circumcised, right? And it's a picture of their hearts, you guys. Ezekiel makes that that really clear. Um, let me see if I have it here uh, in Ezekiel. Uh, let's see. There's 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 the walls of uh, Jericho coming down. Here it is. Okay, no, it's not that. All right, we'll just go back to the scripture, and we're going to read it through in this beautiful book, the book of Joshua, the book of Jesus, Yeshua. So good. Okay, so chapters 6, 7, and 9 are all about uh, conquering Jericho, okay? And it's really cool because God commands Joshua. To have the priests, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark on the seventh day. There's a lot of sevens in here, right? And you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. So what happens is when they did this, the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. Okay, the walls were what was fortifying the city. They had warriors in the walls with probably with bows and arrows. It was like, how are we going to conquer this, you know? Well, God just has them march around the city seven times, the seven priests, and they blow the seven trumpets. What happens in Revelation? There's seven trumpets, right? So there's so much typology in here. There's so much pictures of what will come in the future, you guys. 
and uh, God's going to conquer through Jesus, through Yeshua, through Joshua, through these, these things like the seven trumpets in Revelation. So that's what we're seeing there. And that's chapters uh, uh, 6, 7, and 9, where they conquer Jericho. Um, in chapter 10, the sun sits still. So, so uh, Joshua asks God to cause the sun to sit still, and he does that. It's just amazing stuff. A lot of things were happening. And then chapters 13 through 22 of Joshua, the land is divided according to the tribes, okay? So all the different tribes get a big portion of land. And Caleb says to Joshua, give me the toughest spot. I want to fight. I love Caleb. He's like, I want to fight. Uh, and he was like 80 years old. So was Joshua. They were both 80, right? And he wanted to, to fight. He wanted to go to the hardest part of the land and fight there. So... Here's, a, here's that picture of Jericho. Here's the scarlet uh, uh, cord, a rope that was put down by the harlot Rahab, who became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ and, and a, a member of the tribe of Israel, of Judah. And, um, and then here the walls came down of Jericho. And here's the trumpets. Here's the ark. They had a blue covering on the ark there. And these are the Levitical priests carrying it with their white garments, as you can see. And they're blowing the seven trumpets. Pretty cool stuff, right? So many pictures of Jesus in this. I love it. Good stuff. All right. So let's see if we have one more uh, scripture to go to. I don't think we do. I think that's it. Okay. By the way, you guys, uh, my channel is all about supporting uh, the nation of Israel today and to show that Christians love Israel, that Jesus loves Israel. And you can get these t-shirts or you can get these um, these hoodies. The t-shirts are like, there's a deal right now with a special code, a promo code you can use, um, which is just in capital letters, back to school, one word, and you can get 10% off. And I think that'll bring it down to like 18 bucks for the t-shirt. I think it's gonna be like 32 something for the sweatshirt and you get bumper stickers as well. But this is all about how showing the world that Jesus loves Israel, showing the Jewish people, Jesus loves Israel. He's not against them. He's alive today. He is the Messiah, Yeshua, Joshua, like we just looked at, and he loves Israel. So that's just a little uh, something special I wanted to do there. And um, let's go ahead and wrap it up now. And I hope you saw a little bit of Jesus and his first and second coming in Joshua's story and Caleb too. And you could just see it. I mean, it was awesome. And I love the courage of Joshua. That's what I love. Take courage. Jesus says, don't be afraid. They always, the angels, every time they see a person, they say, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Take courage. If you're a child of God, you can take courage. You have the Lord, God, who is actually our Father because He's Jesus' Father, and we're adopted through Jesus. Now we can cry out, as the Scriptures say in Romans, Abba, Father. We could say Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Like you guys know in Israel, you see your little kids in the beach or wherever, and they're, they're always saying, Abba, Abba. They want, to, they want you to pick them up. You can say that with God, with Adonai, you could say Abba. You could have that close relationship because of what Yeshua did on the cross. And if you'd like to believe in him, all you have to do is say a prayer right now. You open up your heart to him. You open up your life to the Messiah, to Yeshua, to Jesus. And you just say this prayer after me. Repeat the words after me. You're, you are praying to God. All right? All right. Repeat it after me. 
Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus came, born of the virgin. I believe that he later died on the cross and shed his blood for me. I also believe that in three days you raised him from the dead and that he's alive today. I want to follow him as my Lord and my Savior. Please help me to do that. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, my friend, if you do that, you just did that, you might be feeling something amazing right now. You might feel peace and this lightness, your sins being lifted off of you. You may feel nothing. It doesn't matter. You go off of the promises of God, the word of God. Okay? So these are promises that are in the Bible. And uh, God loves you. God loves you. All right, you guys. Hey, looking forward to the next episode as we continue the series on Road to Emmaus and how to find Jesus in all of the Old Testament. Looking forward to the next one with you. George Crabbs signing out.